Uh, Craig Butler's going to come. You know him. He's uh, kind of the new kid on the block. He's over discipleship and small groups. And I got to tell you, he and his wife are absolutely beautiful people. So for me, would you do something? You know, would you, when he comes up, would you just encourage him and let him know, hey, we're, we're cheering you on. Give us a great word tonight and let's see what shakes. Amen. All right, let's go. Uh, I'm looking forward to tonight just sharing with you what God has laid on my heart. Thank you, Pastor, for the warm welcome and all that. Uh, just your, It's great to be here. What an incredible um, opportunity it is to work with just a great pastor and staff right here at Victory Church. And we are a part of that. Amen? It's exciting to be a part of that. Listen, um, I'm, I am very thankful, just like Pastor, that I am not in the way of this storm that is coming through. South Carolina and North Carolina, I have friends there, was from that area, and so we're praying for them. I, I'm, I'm telling you this, is that it's like waiting on a hurricane is like being stalked by a... Think about that for a second. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Someone posted that on Facebook the other day, and it was the, I think it was the funniest thing. Um, you're just sitting there waiting on something because you know something's about to happen. So tonight, I thought, well... What if we did this? What if we talk about storms? So the title of my message tonight is just simply this. Hello, Florence. <laughs> Hello, Florence. I, how many has ever been through a hurricane? Just raise your hand. You know what it's like. Most people, yeah, you know what it's like. It's the anticipation. It's this waiting, wondering. Uh, when's it going to hit? Exactly. You know they have it down to just, uh, uh, they know exactly what they're doing, right? There's no changes in where it goes or what happens. <laughs> it changes all the time. But hey, we're, we're used to that. We just kind of get prepared. We do what we can. I remember years ago, it was the, the first time that we moved to a coastal region there in South Carolina. And my kids were six and five. And Rachel and I were, were thinking, let's take them to the beach. This is going to be a great time. They've never seen it. Do you remember the first time you ever laid eyes on the beach? So, I mean, it was great. Whether you're a kid or an adult, whatever it may have been, I mean, you were so excited about that opportunity of getting ready to hit. And so we took them, and we had the towels, we had the cooler, we had water. You know, you, I mean, we had enough food to last for a week, but you know you have to have food, right? So we did everything that we could to make sure that we were prepared for that day. And so when we got there, we enjoyed the, the beach. It was, we were laying out on the, 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 the towels. We were jumping in. The kids thought it was, was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And all of a sudden, do you ever, you ever been at the beach and all of a sudden you see off to your right, you're somewhere, there's like some dark clouds coming and you begin to think, hey, is that coming towards us? Anybody ever been there? And all of a sudden you realize, you know what is coming towards us? And then the wind begins to pick up. And, and here's what we saw that particular day. All of a sudden, people are running to, to get to the pier underneath it. And we're like, well, why is people doing that? And so we thought, well, if they are, we better. We've never done this before. So we rushed over to the pier. And once we got there, I mean, the wind was whipping. The rain was coming down. Our kids were crying. Um, an umbrella was ripped up out of the sand, and it started flying towards the pier. Hits my wife in the back, and, I mean, rips her bathing suit. And, and did I mentioned the kids are crying. I mean, we're trying to just survive this thing. And so once it ends, we're done. We get in the car, we're on the way home, and, and my, my six-year-old daughter says, 
Dad, the next time that we go to the beach, would you please, please watch the weather? And we're like, yeah, we, we will. I mean, we, we tried our best. We just kind of failed. But if, if you've ever experienced that, I know that was very minimal to what's getting ready to happen right now uh, on the North Carolina, South Carolina coast. But we are, we are praying for them and just asking the Lord to help them through this time. That's what we do, right? And so when I began to think about Hello Florence and I began to think about hurricanes and knowing that, hey, we've, we've experienced those here. We, we kind of uh, went through Matthew. It wasn't very big, but we've experienced some of that and we know what that's like. But I, I Googled the other day. I thought, I wonder what the, mo- the top five most expensive, most devastating storms to ever hit the United States would be. What's their name? When did they come? So I just began to look and, and here's some what I of what I came up with. Number five on this list, heading to number one, is in 2017, it was Hurricane Irma that caused around $50 billion worth of damage. And you'll see some pictures up there as well. In 2012, the number four storm that came through creating devastation was Hurricane Sandy, creating $70.2 billion worth of damage. Number three, 2017, Hurricane Maria caused $90 billion in damage. Number two, it was Hurricane Harvey in 2017 that created $125 billion in damage. And the number one storm, as we probably already know, that in 2005 it was Hurricane Katrina that came through, wiped things out, causing $160 billion worth of damage. And when you begin to look at that list, you begin to realize in 2017, three of the biggest storms the U.S. has ever had, the devastation of that, $265 billion worth of damage. Wouldn't you say that is a lot of damage? I mean, devastation, lives kind of ruined, people going through the most difficult time of their life. Their house was there one day, the next day they go back and there's nothing there. There's people whose houses have become flooded. I mean, all of this devastation that's taking place, we can kind of identify. There's one stat I found that, that this, to me, this is amazing. A hurricane, a large hurricane, lifts about 60 million or more tons of water and generates more power every 10 seconds than all the electrical power used in the United States in a year. Tell me that is not some force moving through the Atlantic right now, getting ready to slam into the side of the United States. Now when you think about that, I also think about sometimes that's exactly what happens in our life is that sometimes we experience storms in life, and when we experience those storms in life, we wonder, wow, I didn't realize the devastation that this storm would bring to my life, but all of a sudden you find yourself in a chaotic, messed up, um, scared to death, wondering what's going to happen, and that's happening in your life. This unexpected storm, a hurricane, wrecks your life. Not the physical at this moment, but something happens. It was a death in the family. It's something that someone may have said to you, but somehow, some way, a storm moves into your life and you think, what in the world am I going to do? And you also begin to ask this question, hey, is, is this the only thing that's happening to me? Is this the only person this affects is just me? Well, not really, because Matthew chapter 5 tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust. That all this happens, the good and the bad. We all go through seasons of good and bad, and it's, it's not fun, but we begin to wade through it. 
I want to lead you to a text today, but before I read that text, I want to set the scripture up. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, but I want to start in Matthew chapter 5 because Matthew chapter 5 kind of sets this incredible stage for us. Matthew chapter 5, as many of you know, you're like, oh, I know Matthew chapter 5. That's the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes begin to describe, and Jesus is speaking, and he's, saying, he's kind of bringing a new way of life, a, a new way of living. He often uses this phrase, you've heard it been said, but I tell you. And so he starts with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then he goes on to this whole litany of things where he begins to describe and, and helps us understand a little bit from his perspective uh, adultery, divorce. Uh, he talks about those things like prayer and fasting, judging, the narrow and wide gates, what it is to be, be salt and light in the world. And then he ends with the very text that we're going to read, found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And this is what it says. Very quickly, it says this. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You see, simply this story is a reminder of how important it is to build our house on the rock and not on sand. He simply goes back and he says, you know, everything that I just told you, you have to understand. And this, this particular passage starts with therefore. So we have to understand why is that scripture therefore. And if you go back to the previous section, you'll understand. Listen, if you take heed of my words, if you listen to the teaching that I'm giving, listen, that means that your life, that your house that you're building, your spiritual house is going to be upon a rock that will stand and withstand any storm that comes its way. Now, how many of you here would say, yeah, that's me. I, need, I want my house, my spiritual house to stand firm in times of trial. Amen. That's a great thing. And we want that for our lives, but exactly how do we go through the process of doing that? You see, in Jesus' day, and even centuries before, this idea of the sea and storms and, and all the water was kind of representation of what evil was. Everything bad seemed to come out of the sea. It was a picture of utter chaos and confusion as people began to just live life. Floods in the scripture kind of have a negative connotation whenever you read about them. Um, in Revelation, the evil forces, it talks about this, opposing God are described as, as huge beasts. Where did they come from? Out of the sea. You probably remember that as you read Revelation. Jesus heals a man with a bunch of legions in him. And what does he do? He cast it out of the man into a bunch of pigs, and the pigs run into the what? Into the sea. And you begin to see this idea beginning to form. So what you see in the Bible from Genesis to Maps is that there are floods, there's high seas, there's storms, and that we are all going to face in life, but there is a God that is bringing order to all this chaos, and he's rescuing us from this time of need, if we just let him. Amen. Hey, that's a great place to say amen right there. Amen. 
We begin to see that. We begin to understand that. And we begin to live that. Why? Because it's the greatest thing. When you begin to trust in an almighty God, instead of looking in inward and saying, I'm going to rely upon myself during this time. No, that's not the way to do it. You rely upon God. During every storm, everything that you go through. Why? Because that's the wisdom of the Scripture. The Scripture says, listen, if you do that, when you do that, whatever comes your way, you are going to be able to withstand the pressure of the storm, the winds, everything that's coming against you. And that's what I love about the Word. Sometimes we make it real hard, but it's real easy if you go back to the Word. So you trust in the Word. You believe in what's going on. Now, I love it when we begin to look at how God brings this, our, our chaos to order. One of the things that you'll find in the Old Testament, and this is a story that we all have read, it's Noah's Ark. I want you, let's break down what that really means. It's God bringing order to all this chaos. If you go to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 8, it says this. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said this, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah, listen to this, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You know what he was saying? God was saying this. Listen, I can't allow evil to reign anymore in, in your life. This earth that I have created, it's, not, it's no longer going to happen. So I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth. But listen, I'm going to rescue you and your family. I, I want you to take two of every animal so we can start over again. And everyone knows the story. He says, now go build an ark. So Noah and his buddies go build an ark. Lowe's was wiped out that day of wood. Nails. They had a hard time getting the air nail gun to work, but they finally figured it out. It wasn't written in their language. That would become a joke at this point. You can laugh if you want and, and throw stones if you'd like. It doesn't matter. But you see what I'm, I'm trying to make it a modern story here for you to get the point. So he builds this ark 150 yards long. For all our football players out there, we know how long that is. 75 feet wide and four stories high. Now a part of this story that you may not know but stay with me here for just a minute. As he began to build the ark, he gets into about the seventh year. And when he gets into the seventh year, he goes to his mailbox. And the HOA had written him a letter. And the letter had stated that, what in the world are you building in the back? And he tells them, I'm building something. God has told me he's going to wipe you out. But I'm going to build an ark. And so he builds it. 20 years later, guess what? He gets another letter in the mail from HOA. He's trying to tell him, listen, what are you doing? Do you have to understand that people probably thought he was crazy? Wouldn't we? I mean, if your neighbor starts building something and they say, God told me to, and, and here's the thing, he's, try, he's building something that he said, it's gonna, it's, God's going to wipe us. I, I wonder if even Noah knew what was exactly going to happen. I don't know, but... Uh, 120 years later, he finished it. Animals show up. It begins to rain for the first time. And Noah, he orders his little sign to put on the ark that says, I told you so, H-O-A. 
And what happens? It floods. And all of a sudden, big things begin to happen. They, and, and, and here's the thing. It rains for 40 days and 40 nights. They're afloat for about 10 and a half months. It comes to rest. They get off um, the ark. And what do they do? They sacrifice to the Lord and they worship him. And God makes an important promise to never destroy the earth by flood again. Here's a question for you. Who builds a boat for 120 years in preparation for something which has never occurred. Think about the faith that it takes to do exactly what God... How many of us would give up after about six months? And here Noah is about 99 years in saying, man, is he ever going to stop? It's really cool what he's doing, but what's going on here, Noah? You're crazy. There's a place that we put people like you. And Noah's just like, hold on. Let me tell you, we're going to have storms in life. You're either going through a storm, you're getting ready to go through a storm, or you've been through a storm. You see what I'm saying? There are people waiting right now knowing, hey, I, we don't know what's going to happen physically to our homes, physically to people. They're in North Carolina, South Carolina, all along that coast. People don't know. Well, I'm going to tell you this. There's, there's two questions we've got to ask when going through a storm. Number one is this. Who am I walking with during the storm? Yeah. Noah, his world was evil. God destroyed it. But Je Noah and his family, they were saved. Why was he saved? Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he, and he walked with God. He knew what it was to walk with God. And so when we begin to ask this question, well, who am I walking with? In life, in the storm, going through the difficult things, who am I walking with? You know, this was written in a time when um, you see a, a real Jewish covenantal language taking place and shape. And so when it says that Noah was righteous, it, it kind of gives this idea that he was committed to a living God. There was a commitment level that was above everybody else. He was blameless. That, that, this, it's this, you couldn't find any fault in him. And then it says he walked with God. What does that really mean? I mean, we physically see that he walked with God, but another way to interpret that is this, is that Noah had these daily habits in his life that made him, I want to say righteous, that, that helped him become blameless, that it was these daily habits in his life that set him apart from the people of that time. And so that's the way he lived. Now, I'm always about learning, and there's tons that we can learn from this scripture, this passage about walking through storms and, and not doing the right things. And, and, and I've even said, listen, I've, I've made wrong decisions walking through storms of life. How many of, are there as well? You, you didn't do right. You made the wrong decision. You said the wrong thing. Yeah, we've all been there. Now, I'm going to share with you some lessons from Noah's Ark that may help you today. Number one is this. When there's no chance of rain, it could pour. If you've lived in Florida at all, you walk out one, this is one thing, I, I mean, you go out and it's sunny, it's getting ready, and, and all of a sudden, you're in a torrential downpour. But just hold on about 10 minutes because the sun will probably come out and shine a little bit more. Just, just wait. When there's no chance for rain, it could pour. Number two, don't miss the boat. 
Number three, this goes for all of us. This is, this, listen to this. When you're 600 years old, someone may ask you to do something really big, so stay fit. Now, how, are we doing that? I see two hands. I know some of you are sitting here thinking, okay, my life, happy or healthy? I'm choosing happy. You see, it's important to have Noah's in your life, but it's more important to have God in your life. Number five, storms will rattle you, rattle you, but when you walk with God, you can always have peace. It's getting your eyes on God, not your circumstances. Sometimes the storms in your life move quickly through your life, and you know what? At other times, it moves real slow. This is one of my favorite ones. Listen to this. Even though... You're safe on the ark, even though you're right in the middle of where God wants you to be, you still have to shovel elephant poo. Right? Not trying to be gross. I'm just trying to tell you that's life, isn't it? You, you're right where God wants you, but you know what? It, it's a little messy at times. I, I'm, I, did, I wouldn't want that job you know what I'm saying? I hope there's some natural gravitation that flowed right out of the ark, but I, don't, I really don't know. Another lesson that we can learn. Remember, the, the ark was built by amateurs and the Titanic by professionals. And the last one is this. No matter the storm, when you are with God, there's always a rainbow at the end if you choose to see it. There's a rainbow. The second question we have to ask ourselves when faced with storm is just real simple. Where's God during the flood? Now, I say that because it brings up the other question that all of us ask. Why do bad things happen to God, good people? Anybody ever heard that one? Why does that happen? And if you really look at life, listen, bad things happen to everyone. Some are very, I mean, very intense. I mean, difficult things that happen. And maybe we've never experienced that intenseness. But we can also say this. There's been a lot of great things that's happened in my life. And do we recognize the good and do we recognize the bad and have to understand it through the eyes of Jesus? And sometimes that's hard to do. Because when the bad half happens, we don't understand what's going on. You know what happens? Fear grips our life and we become paralyzed. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. And all of a sudden we get our eyes off God and we get it on ourselves and that's when we become paralyzed. Now, I remember years ago becoming so paralyzed on my way to, I was traveling to college from um, Arkansas up into Missouri about an hour and a half, and it was a Sunday night after service, and I was going back to, to college, and I remember hitting a storm. I don't know if you've ever grown up in the Midwest, but if you hit a severe Midwest storm, I'm talking about some serious rain, some hail, I mean, it, it's just, it's blowing, it's crazy. Where you couldn't see literally five to ten feet in front of your car. And one day, I, I remember driving, and this is important for the guys, I was driving my 1984 Ford Thunderbird. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Guys, you out there, you know what I'm saying? V8, you know, had a little bit of oomph to it. You know what I'm saying? You could really take the corners well, you could... I mean, it was slick, had nice tires and wheels. That, that has nothing to do with the story. Okay. So 
So I'm, I'm traveling, and I remember hitting this storm, and I couldn't see, and I don't know about you, but I just immediately started saying, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't one of those, oh, Jesus, I'm in a difficult situation right now, and I need thy hand upon my life. You know, it was one of those, oh, Jesus, uh, desperate. You ever been there? You know what I'm saying? You were desperate, and you needed him because you needed to find a place. And here's my thought. It's going through my mind. Do I pull over to the side of the road? Because if I pull over to the side, I know someone's going to just hit me from behind. And it's going to knock me off, and I'm going to, do I just keep going? And then if I keep going, am I going to run into the back of someone? I mean, I was panicked. I was, my life flashed before me. One of those episodes. You know what I'm saying? And so finally, I, I'm praying, I'm praying, and I see light. And I notice that I have hit some town, some place, and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's a light. There's a, there's a, a, a light that I can actually pull into, and I, walk, I drive into this bank that has like a carport, and it has an overhead shelter. And I remember just kind of sitting there in my car thinking, thank God, thank God. Shaking a little bit because I'm so scared. But you know what it's like. Almost becoming paralyzed, so you're, you're so scared of what's happened. That's a physical storm, but we go through just natural storms. I mean, with, with just life, the difficulties of life. That's the storms of life. You see, if you, do, if you do research, you'll know this. Children, did you know that they are not born afraid? I mean, you have a two or three-year-old, and you have the stove on. What do you teach them all, all the time? They see that hot, glowing thing, and they go over, and they're grabbing it. Like, no, no. Once they grab it once and they kind of touch it, guess what happens? They never touch it again. But the only thing that they are born with a fear is the fear of falling and loud noises. But they have to be trained not to fear things. You see, sometimes we reach the lowest point in our life. There, there's no fear within us because that's when we become all of a sudden desperate and we try to what? Lash out, we begin to... Um, scream, I would say. We begin just to get to this point where we don't know what to do or what to say. So here's what happened. When fear grips our life, all of a sudden we realize that fear magnifies me. And I live in this fear, but it's really magnifying me. But if I turn the fear to faith, guess what happens? Faith magnifies God. And so if you're walking in fear and you're walking during a storm, we can say this, listen, if we'll turn the fear to faith, God can do great things with our faith, right? And so it's turning our fear to faith. 1 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but he has given me what? A spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. That's what he's given me. When you think about fear, what drives out fear? 1 John says this, Perfect love drives out fear. I love someone, I remember someone asking this question one, one time. He says this, what would you do if you weren't afraid in life? If you didn't fear anything, what would you do? If, what would you pray if you weren't afraid of anything? I want you to see something really important, know his story as we get ready to close in just a minute. Verse 13 says this, So God said, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And if you jump down to verse 18, think about this. God is telling Noah all of these things that he's going to do. I'm going to wipe it out. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not pleased with things that are going on. But it's not until verse 18 
that God says, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You know what simply he did? Before the storm, God chose Noah. Now watch what happens. Before, the, before your stone, storm, God chooses you. He knows where you're at, what you're going through. He's, all he's doing, you know what, is waiting for you. If he chooses Noah before the storm, he'll choose you. That's just the nature. That's who Christ is, amen? That's who he is. He loves us enough that he reaches out and he helps us and he understands that. Why does he do that? Because I think this, and it's found in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you, I knew you in, in your womb. He's speaking to Jeremiah there, but really it's, it's applicable to everybody. Before he formed you, he knew you. He, I love Proverbs and Psalms. It talks about whenever you rise, whenever you set. He knows everything that we do, whenever we come, whenever we go. Whatever we do, he knows. However we respond, he knows. He said, I've designed Every part of who you are. Before you were even born, he knew. He knew everything that, was, that would take place. He knew how much hair you would have, how much hair you wouldn't have. I'm not going to ask you to look around right now. He knew every freckle. He knew the numbers of hair. That, he knew it all. He designed you. He made you. And to me, that is such a comforting thing that God is so intimate not only as he speaks to Noah and the different people as you see, as you unfold and read the Bible, but that same love is applied to every one of us in this room tonight. He loves each and every one of us that much. I knew a family years and years ago when my wife and I were youth pastors. It was a neat family. You, you know the types of families that come into the church. They're kind of brand new. They've been a part of a church, but they aren't really... Uh, they've never been churched. You know what I'm saying? And it was awesome to see them come into our church. They had small kids, three small kids, around 10, 6, 7, and, and 5-ish, kind of like that. And they came into the church, and they were excited to be a part. And this lady named Doris, she wanted to be a part of the youth ministry. And so she was a part of the youth ministry. She was also working in uh, Impact Girls, loving Impact Girls. And, and she, they just, as a family, made their way in and a little rough around the edges, but there's something that, that was different about them because they just, they loved the Lord. They were growing in Him. And it was, it was just awesome to sit back and see. And, and we went on a mission trip. We were planning for a mission trip to go to Reynosa, Mexico. And Doris came and she said, listen, I've never been on a mission trip. My family, no one in her family has ever been on a mission trip. And this young mom of three children and a husband said, I want to go. I want to be a part. And I was like, this is awesome. I love it when people are a part of missions. I love it when people are just a part of life and growing in the Lord. And, and, and it was just great. Now, there's a difficulty here that I want you to see. I want to have a transparent moment with you because Doris had a really difficult home life. You see, her husband liked to drink. And in drinking, he lost his license. And because of losing his license, he had no way to work. And so Doris had to take him to work every day and had to pick him up every day. Out in the middle of the country, kind of construction worker, trying to do and just make ends meet. And, but yet they loved coming to church and being a part. 
Doris is way more committed than her husband, but I remember it was on a Saturday. I was at home, and I remember being in the garage, and my dad, the pastor of the church, called, and he says, listen, I hate to tell you this, but this is what has happened. He said, Doris went to pick up her husband, and on the way to pick up the husband, something happened. There was a car accident, and they ran off the road with Doris and those three kids, and Doris passed, and the five-year-old daughter passed. The other two kids, literally, one child had two broken legs, a broken arm. They were in the hospital. But you can imagine for this family, this church, having to walk through not just one, but a, a mother and a daughter. And it was the first time in my life I'd ever seen a mother in a casket with her arm around her five-year-old daughter laying there. And I'm telling you, as a youth pastor, on my own, I shed a few tears. I will never get that image out of my mind. Now, the amazing part of this story is that through the storm of this family, over the next few weeks and months, they sat on the very back row where there were about 12 people could sit. And did you know this? That where Doris and her husband sat and her kids that the whole role was filled with her family. Her sisters knew some change was happening in, their, in her life. That they, she, they got, the sisters got so excited about the life change of Doris, they said, what is this impact? And once they gave their life to the Lord, began to be discipled, they then began and joined the impact and began to teach just like Doris. Here's what I'm telling you. During a storm, there's choices that we make. We can become bitter, we can become better. Is it going to hurt? It's going to hurt. Is it painful? Yes, it's painful. Are you going to have to walk through some very hard, difficult times, the flooded waters and the wind beating against your life? You bet. But I can tell you this, that God is always there before your storm. God is always there after your storm. And it's how we respond during those times that makes all the difference in the world. Amen. As your head is bowed and eyes are closed tonight, I want to ask you a very personal question. Maybe you have never given your life to the Lord. Maybe you have never accepted him into your life and said, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And just hearing this sermon tonight and walking in the storm that I am in right now, Lord, I know that I need you but I'm asking you to come into my life. And if you're here tonight, you say, you know what, I need Jesus to come into my life. Would you just raise your hand real high so I can see it? I see that hand, yes, yes. Anybody else? My left, your right. Anybody here? I need Jesus in my life. Up in the balcony, I don't wanna miss anybody. Up in the balcony. Just raise your hand, I need Jesus in my life. Thank you, I see that hand. If you're here tonight and you could say this, I'm going through a storm and I need the Lord. I know he's with me. It's just a struggle. I want to encourage you to come and just pray. Connect your faith with one of these altar workers and just pray. Say, God, can you help me? I want you to be with me. I need your help tonight. And he will help you. Who are you walking with? 
You may be asking the question, where is God during the storm? And you know what? I believe God is so powerful that he could send a reminder tonight through me just to remind you he knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through, and he loves you, and he cares for you deeply. You say, yeah, I'm going through a storm. Remember, remember me in prayer. Remember me in prayer. Just hand lifted real quick and right back down. Yes, 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 yes. Would you do this with me tonight? Would you stand with me? And as we stand, there's many who raised their hand. I'd say six or seven who said, I want to give my life to the Lord. I, I want you to repeat a prayer after me. And then I want you to be really bold. After we repeat this prayer, I want you to come down. Those who have said, I want Jesus to come into my life. And if you're going through a storm, would you just come down? Quickly connect your faith with someone right down here and pray that God will help you during this time. I know he will. I know he loves you and he cares for you. Would you pray with me? Repeat after me, dear Lord, I love you tonight. Thank you for your love to me. I bring to you my life. I bring to you my sin. And I need you in my life tonight. I'm asking right now that you be the Lord of my life. That you would make me brand new in your eyes. Thank you for saving me tonight and being there with me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, Pastor Randy and the worship team is going to sing. As they begin to sing, they're going to sing a song. I want you to come down. Don't hesitate. Listen, don't be live in fear. Live in faith and step out, and we're going to pray for you tonight.
Uh, aren't you thankful that he's uh, life through the difficulties of the storm? He's our cornerstone at all times. Amen? Amen. Listen, we're going to end in prayer tonight, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to join hands with somebody close next to you. And the reason that we're going to do this is we're going to pray for the people living North Carolina, South Carolina, that whole area. Uh, I, I say it, and I, I even talked to Pastor Randy yesterday. I said, listen, uh, our own worship pastor, David Carlisle, that, that moved up there to take a church, you know, he's near that area. So let's just pray for him as well, right? Uh, we lift up those that we love and those that need that. And so we're going to pray right now that the Lord will help, that the Lord will guide and direct. And so let's pray. Lord, we come before you tonight and we thank you that you are a mighty God. You're the cornerstone of everything that we can go through in life, that you bring us stability, that you are a foundation. So Lord, right now as we pray, we thank you for those that came forward tonight, those that, are, are, that, that you're working in their heart even right now. And Lord, we also bring this storm before you. We pray, God, that you would help North Carolina, South Carolina, the effects of this storm, that you would keep people safe, that, that you would help them, give them wisdom, Lord, that in difficult circumstances, when people don't know what to do, that they would make a wise decision. And we pray that you would just bring comfort. And the help that is coming from Convoy of Hope, from churches to people that are going to flood that area to help, Lord, we pray that you would just keep them safe. God, we pray for this storm. And Lord, we even pray this, God, could it weaken? Lord, that you would just keep it away as much as possible. But Lord, we're just trusting in you. We have to believe in you in the storm and through the storm. God, we thank you for your goodness and your love. Help us tonight in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Hey, go in his grace, go in his peace tonight.